First of all, it's nice to be back, back to uh, giving shiurim, it's been a while. Uh, the first week of Kail, I, uh, my thought was to uh, give a share on something relating to Edovin, something we're learning now, but in the end, uh, I found myself otherwise occupied that Thursday, I had a, a daughter, and Last week also, it's a bit uh, preoccupied, distracted, it's a little hard to focus on and Yadam Lagerovin, and then Thursday specifically, I ended up having to go somewhere. But, so the one topic that I was thinking about, though, over the last uh, week or two, is uh, in the context of uh, this happy occasion, and of course, as everyone knows, that doesn't matter whether it's a boy or a girl, as long as it's healthy, right? But Lamaisa, personally for me, it was the uh, first daughter after a number of boys. And so, Kumta Choyset, Pashat Lomdish Geret, that Machbekayim given the mitzvah from the Peri of Erevia. Right? Um, even even without the mitzvah, there's usually a shtikel simcha, and after you have a series of one, you finally balance out a little bit with another, with the other uh, boy or a girl. the is in the But a kapanim here's a something that uh, surfaces. You think of it uh, comes up, comes to mind in this type of context, in this type of situation. And in fact, even when I was talking to different uh, members of the family, also it's something that tends to come up. Oh, girl, period of you. I was thinking about it a little bit. And uh, it's already a number of days passed, a week or two since uh, the birth. There's no uh, bris mila. At a bris, you get to give a drasha. Uh, you know, but the drasha is still, uh, still got to give it somewhere. So... Uh, and uh, a number of people have uh, been mugged there that sometimes the shiurim given in this misgaras um, tend to relate to things that are minyana de yayma. Now, I have no idea if anything happened, anything else happened in the last two weeks, wasn't following the news, but uh, this is the news. This is the, the news that I'm aware of uh, in the Kailal. This is the latest news. So, it's minyana de yayma. Now, it's not just. All jokes aside, it's not just Nagaya to me personally, you're the whole younger light. Just married, maybe you have already, maybe you have a child or two, Shalatev and Mitzlachas. But uh, to a great extent, as younger light, you're all in the sugya. This is the sugya you're in right now. Sugya of Periyavadivya. However, my impression at least is that with all the chasen classes that are multiplying by the day and with all the shiurim you even had in Kail, uh, it seems like the tendency is to focus on other aspects uh, relating to marriage, to intimacy, etc., etc. Of course, if 
heaven forbid, someone has a difficulty with children, so then the focus might shift to that, in, uh, at least in a practical way, to give aid, assistance, support. But it seems to me, it feels like the actual halachic concept, the dine pruravu, don't necessarily get a uh, practical emphasis. Even though it's called a, we call it a mitzvah rabba, called that, it has that name in a number of places, including in says, you shouldn't marry until you learn first. Al-Tarebbe defines what that means exactly. And then Al-Tarebbe says, So the context there happens to be that he's emphasizing the other thing. He's emphasizing learning the Torah, but along the way, he emphasizes the Chashivas of Pirvarivya, and that only something like learning Torah, which is, uh, we suppose, the equivalent of whatever we're supposed to be doing in Yeshiva, is. So that delays, that outweighs the Mitzvah Rabbah Pirvarivya temporarily. And then you move along. We know, of course, there's also the famous Vart, Chabad, that Pirvarivya is the Ershta Mitzvah in the Torah. And of course, there's much more on the topic in Chsidus and in Sichus. But at any rate, my, my point is, is that seemingly this is something that maybe deserves a bit more uh, focus and emphasis. I would add and point out that it's not just Baruchnius uh, on the books, but if you think about it, this mitzvah is essentially the one mitzvah that one's entire Yiddish life, the entire Jewish life cycle is essentially built around it. Everything revolves around the concept that one ought to get married at the first opportunity, whatever, whenever, however you define when that is. But that's generally the attitude. You're trying to get married at the first appropriate opportunity, whatever that is for you, and to have children and to raise a family. And uh, in the absence of that, without, without that, it's almost impossible to really feel like a... A member of the of the community, Adam and Ayishov. It's not my. I'm not here to you know, use labels and make statements. It's just this is generally the attitude one picks up on from society, to the extent that there are some who argue that maybe maybe it's a little too far and it's not sensitive to to those for whatever reason uh, find themselves unable to. Um, make that step and we have to be more tolerant to be more accepting and have you know more space in society for those that are single etc that's not the the focus here right now I'm not here to hurt anyone's feelings but it still seems a fairly a fairly true statement that uh, without making that without taking that step without moving on so there really isn't much of a presence and a future for a person in the community without all of that. And uh, Befrat and the, well, you know, the so-called black hat, Haredi community, right? So until marriage, you're essentially, you know, you're like a child, you haven't set out into the world. Uh, and then as soon as you see mature enough to be shy to anything, so step one is you get married right away, you start having children, and then life begins within this misguided. Now, well, once I'm already making this point, I'll make a, a point, another point in passing, uh, make an observation. The, 
we see in Chabad, in our community, in the last couple of decades, that it uh, feels like for a large percentage of any given grade, yeshiva tends to end somewhere around age 20. And then there's, for whatever the percentage is, there's a certain number that uh, it's almost like uh, you know, you're free, you're free to spend uh, the time as you wish. So this phenomenon is not just broadly against these values, in, in, broadly in, in violation of these values that we have, and what is more in line with secular values in the world around us, where marriage and children is, of course, has a totally different uh, significance and context and what life is about, uh, obviously within a certain range of you know, how they, whatever they view, however they view marriage and, and children. But um, so, in addition to saying that it's against our values, quote unquote, but we're mentioning the mitzvah, we're talking about the halachas. So the that pashit essentially hapech dini atayra, because we just saw from the that really a person reaches puberty, 18, 20, max, person's chayiv and period of and the only exception is if a person's ibrigegaven dedicated to learning Torah shabalpeh. Which, which, like we said, is generally, some, however it is, equivalent to whatever we're learning in yeshiva. So then, we're, we're, we're being special exceptions being made. But the concept of leaving yeshiva and just uh, killing time, spending time, has no basis in halacha according to all of this. Now, Mela, if the person spending the time actually building a career, really focusing seriously on work, so and I would say it's not our particular derech, but maybe you know, maybe it is Ungenuman elsewhere, and maybe you could find Makritis for that idea of you're, you're working towards marriage, you just want to feel like you're financially uh, stable, you have a financial future. But uh, the concept of yeshiva essentially ends automatically. And Lavdafka, you feel the pressure to look for something serious. This is the opportunity to dreze harom and, and check out the world, so, nothing to do with uh, preparing for marriage. So, that would be uh, problematic. I'm not here, uh, as usual, telling anybody what to do or telling the community what to do, but just to point this out, to define, bimagder, what the metzias is, what the halach is, because sometimes some changes happen gradually. You don't pay attention as they're happening. And uh, I'm not saying that there weren't other points in history, different times, different places, where also maybe people tended to get married later, and although that itself is maybe where I'm heading somewhere along the way and what I want to discuss. But it's just important that uh, you want to define, have an accurate definition and description of what's going on, and if we're dropping our old values and adopting uh, new ones, so we should at least be aware of that and not deny uh, the reality, the, the changes that are occurring. Anyway, getting back to what I was saying, so we have a very important central mitzvah here. Like I said, in a certain sense, it's, it's defined all of your lives to a great degree. That's why you're here, in, in, in a sense. And yeah, we heard a lot of discussion, a lot of focus on the, what's taka, what are the halachas, how does it work? Uh, the way you'd expect, considering it's important, uh, my impression is not. So this is the topic I want to get into a bit. And I really want to discuss, Taka, what's the, what's the vart, what's the hagdara, what's the nakuda of uh, mitzvah's perverivya, the halachas. And uh, 
I want to discuss that uh, while you know, focusing on some of the halachic discussions, lamdisha discussions that come along the way that relate to that. Some of them may be slightly more well-known to you or to some of you. Um, and uh, I'll just point out that in preparing the uh, Mekaitis uh, for this discussion, so I relied in great measure on a sefer called Ishu Beisai, a whole monograph. Someone already wrote a whole sefer on Hilchas Perivarevya. Someone wrote the book on the topic, uh, and uh, there's a lot of good material there. Pneim Haaris, the, the standard halachic uh, format that's popular today. But uh, as you'll see, the the presentation here is uh, is my own. So this is how I would jump into the topic. This is how I would begin. That's, if you think about it, there are a lot of shvera nekudas, or at least nekudas that are not so understandable, not so obvious on first thought on this whole topic of period of Revian. Right, so first let's start by pointing out that really this is a mitzvah that has a number of components that stretch out over a period of time, right? Step one is you have to get married. Step two is be'ila, you have to, you're tr- trying to have a child. Uh, that's a maisa. Then three, you have to have, the law is you have to have two children, not one. And number four, ha'gufa has to be a zacher nekeve la'alacha. So, with that in mind, we can ask a number of questions, a number of very general questions. Number one, what is the ikr chilek of this mitzvah? What is the main component? What's the main aspect of the mitzvah? And what is tofel? What is just a prat in the mitzvah? Right, you could say, this is the mitzvah, that's hachshah mitzvah, or that's the pstashir mitzvah. This is a din and that, that's a din and this. What's the, what's the ikr here? What, and what, what comes along with it? That's one question. Number two, uh, similar, related if you look at the person being mekayim the mitzvah over a period of time, which at which point in time during that stretch would you say is the main point? When you say, "Oh, now yatzatzich the mitzvah ifketan," meaning even if you say that it's as late as you have to wait till you actually have the children, then you're mekayim the mitzvah. If you say that's the ikkar, but even then you could ask, is the ikkar the moment they're born, or are we still waiting around and? Are they going to grow up? Are they going to get married? Are they going to have children? How far, how deep are we looking to see whether this mitzvah is mekoyim? Or somewhere in the middle? They have to grow up, but maybe not. We don't have to wait till they have children. Somewhere, where, where, what, what's the, when do we say, ah, now we're, story's over, and mitzvah, we're finished. And finally, maybe the main question to me is, what is b'chlal, the whole point of this mitzvah? What is the mitzvah here to accomplish? Because I would say it's a starker question, at least to me, that the whole yisoid of the whole mitzvah is a bissel shver. Of course, we know that more or less it's uh, biologically uh, imprinted within uh, living things, living beings in nature, that uh, nature, you have males, you have females, the males are females, procreate together, they have uh, offspring, pretty, uh, pretty basic stuff so across, the, across the entire nature, not even not just the minachai, but today where science explains it, even minat semach, as musig of zochin akeva to some extent, etc. And uh, we can look around and 
generally speaking, historically, even today, plenty of people, it's not, not a very difficult, it, it tends to happen on its own for, uh, for many people. Uh, unless you go out of your way to prevent it from happening. But otherwise, leaving human beings to their own devices uh, and letting nature take its course, males, females tend to procreate and have children. Okay, so that's something I'm not even going to get to today. But yeah, that is a potential theme and factor, which I do want to get to at some point. Yeah. Um, but if you're focusing on having offspring, but Pashtus is basically something that should be happening on its own. Uh, of course, there are differences from, in different cultures, and particularly nowadays with uh, the culture today and the attitudes today, and want to get to that at some point. But uh, otherwise, people, uh, humans, uh, just like everyone else, just like all the other species, uh, procreate naturally. So, what exactly was the mitzvah coming to say? By definition, every mitzvah, you have to say, the mitzvah is coming to come, make sure that we do this and the outcome is that. So I would say that the way this mitzvah sounds right now is a bit as if like the Torah would come and say that it's a mitzvah saying the Torah to be alive. Zos Levin. Mitzvah say number one, by the way, before you do anything else, you should be alive. Right? What would that mean? What would mean you have to eat and uh, you have to live and the shear is maybe 70 years. We could make a whole uh, mitzvah, a lot of pratim out of it. Right? But uh, isn't it pretty obvious that uh, most people uh, tend to live and tend to eat and tend to live out their years? And that's, that's the norm, that's the definition, that's what all living things do, huh? I'm going to get to that in a second. So, that's a lay sasay. It's not an asay. There's no mitzvah say to live. Okay, we're getting to all of that. We're building, uh, we have to start with the side and we'll get uh, all the other ideas along the way. So, isn't it Psadavar uh, Pasha? Everyone understands that uh, it's nature, biology. We live, we don't need a command to, to live. Ah, there might be a few people that talk, uh, might go off track and have their own strange ideas, and maybe we need to make sure that they uh, don't make, it, make that mistake. So if the Torah determines that it's enough of a concern that it needs to be addressed, so, so there should be a leisasa, there should be a leisasa to bavar in uh, these types of mistakes. So that would be the leisasa, the Moshe Lagabe, if you say in the whether it's a leisasa or not, I don't have the Mara Mekayimah offhand, but to the extent that it's necessary to intervene and tell you that on Shabbos, you're supposed to be Mechal Shabbos, whatever, wherever it's necessary to clarify some things, so the Torah clarifies, but the Torah doesn't have to tell us the basics. And that would lead us into the discussion of the definition of Mitzvah say versus Leisah say in general, but without looking into it, Chayr Pasha to me, that every Mitzvah say is trying to accomplish something that the person wouldn't otherwise do, there's a large chance that without the mitzvah say, a person wouldn't do it, and that's why you need a mitzvah say telling you to please get up and do X, Y, and Z. You think about all the mitzvahs, most of them certainly are not things that we would uh, be doing. Stam? And, uh. Say it's a mishpah. Ah? Say it's a mishpah, it doesn't make sense. Make, what, what makes sense? The mitzvah anyway. Okay, I'm talking about mitzvah say if the Torah is telling you to go do something. Pashtos, it's something you wouldn't normally do. You, wouldn't, you don't need to be told to do extremely basic things. You need to be told to do things that aren't basic, that aren't obvious. 
So that's, that's my assumption with that. So we don't need a mitzvah say to, to be alive, because it's pretty basic, pretty obvious. So before we get to the Pratima period of yeah, I would personally would like to understand what's the question, what's the whole mitzvah, what's the concept of the mitzvah. Now, if you would ask me slightly more than two weeks ago, meaning right before I started uh, looking into it a bit more and thinking about it a bit more, without any uh, extra thought, if you ask me what's Pirivirivya, what's the Vodah Pirivirivya? So I, I think I would have likely said that sounds to me like the definition is it's about populating the worlds. Yishuvayla. Here's the, by, by the means of this mitzvah, Hashem is letting us know that populating the world, keeping the world populated is a specific aim, a specific objective that we should put our minds to. Meaning, it's true that people, th- uh, you know, even unthinkingly probably will have children, but the Abish is coming and saying that, by the way, you should, it's a very important Torah places an emphasis on the population, keeping the population going. And so for that reason, the Torah is coming and telling you that this is something to just to keep your eye on whatever, maybe you're doing everything you need to do already, but this is just something to keep in mind. That's what I would have thought. I think also that might be uh, informed by different things that Ebba said generally on these types of topics. Uh, that seems to be the sense you get from the Rebbe, that that's a very important value. Um, although, even if you were to say that, the question I would have then is, is the point here to increase the population? Are we trying to grow the population long term? Or is the main point here that we're just trying to sustain the population? We're just trying to maybe keep the numbers in place, but we don't, we're just making sure that uh, the human population doesn't drop off. So you're just trying to replace yourselves. So now let's come back around a bit to the halachas. So, of course, the uh, halacha is two children. Zachar Nekeva, which the father and mother are Zachar Nekeva, and they're having their children are, are meant to be, ought to be Zachar Nekeva. Right, so let's take a look a little bit at the Makaitis that establish this point. Right, so Mishnah Yavama says, shouldn't stop. So we'll get to these terminologies, I guess, uh, in the Hamshech how the words are used in sentences but it sounds like and the whole word of Basil is to tell you that two schadim would not be good enough and you see this in a number of other Yishayinim there's also Peter Shemeshnai Yisla Rambam the Rambam says clearly in order for the population to, we'll see this term in the Rambam in different places so in order for the population to be sustained you need to have both males and females so male and female should ideally replace themselves with a male and a female and uh, you see this in the Zaire as well Eilid Ben Ubas why are we emphasizing all these Makaitis? Because it's interesting to note that in the Rishalmi, as we have it, the Rishalmi says, there's a daya, or the way the Rishalmi refers to it is, that Afilu Zachar Nekeva. Abisil are coming to say Afilu Zachar Nekeva. And the first one the Rishalmi say, that Lafiza, the Rishalmi is saying, 
that when Mesillo said Zohar Nekeva, all he meant to say was even Zohar Nekeva, meaning you would think for sure Shnei Zcharem, because uh, I guess Zcharem uh, is the Iker. But Kun Bezil and Zog, you know what? We'll, we'll give it to you. You have a Zohar Nekeva, Zohar Totally different uh, perspective on what we're talking about here. And there's even an Ashba, there's an Ashba somewhere in a Tshuva that casually says, Afilu Zohar Nekeva, which is interesting. But Lamaisi opened a Shachanarach, Avnezer, Simonalaf, Sefei, Kivan Sheishla Adam, Zacher Nekeva, Kiyam Mitzvah Pei Derinavia. Sevav, person has Zacher Nekeva, they passed away, oh, but they, had, they themselves had children first, so they left children behind. Kiyam Mitzvah Pei Derinavia. Bamadvar Mamurim, when the Zacher, when the Bnei Banim are Zacher Nekeva, and they come from the Zacher Nekeva, all the Prate Alachas that we may or may not get to. So, pretty clear from the way that uh, we're taking Zachar Nekeva very literally in every prat, uh, in every iteration, whether it's even the grandchildren, it's always the Zachar Nekeva, the Zachar Nekeva. And it says it's, uh, right, so pretty clear that a person only had Zachar, only had Nekeva, so Allah was saying, you know, I'm a kind of spirit of it, you just for uh, the sake of illustrating how these halachas are applied, let's take a look at the tshuva of the Radbaz. So the Radbaz was asked, the Radbaz was asked that someone, the context here is polygamy. All right, so and, uh, the Radbaz lives in Egypt in the mid to late 1400s, and uh, apparently they're still practicing polygamy, they're still practicing marrying multiple wives. We know, of course, the Ashkenazim had Chemed Ben and even the Svardim, if you look in, um, I believe, uh, of Bar Shalom, in one of the Krachim of his set, he goes through uh, how a number, a large number of Svardi countries, Dafka had a Tanai in the Ksuba, Lamaisa, that the Baal is being Mishayev, that he's not going to marry another woman. And he goes through the geography, which uh, countries had this, and it may have been spread by the uh, exiles from Spain. They may have spread this to a number of additional countries, and which countries were practicing polygamy, mamish, up until 100, 150 years ago. Um, but the, you know, if you just assume that it's Ashkenazim versus Fardim, it's not quite uh, that binary. But from this Shuvah the Radbaz, it seems pretty clear that in Egypt, at least at that time, I think there's something upset the kind of the Rambam. Here it sounds like. We're talking about uh, milieu, a context in which marrying another wife would have been acceptable. However, it was also Ungerno meant to swear to give a shvua to the wife. The wife made a tanai that the Lamaisa, you shouldn't uh, marry anyone else. So this person swore to his wife that he won't marry anyone else. But they included in the clause that if 10 years pass and she doesn't have children, so then he'll be put from the shvua and he can marry another wife. Lamaisa, she had a child during this time, of Vlachel Kayoma, but ultimately the child died. And then another 10 years elapsed after that. And she didn't have another uh, child. So is he Potter or not? Potter from the Shavuot, Potter from the Chiv, can he marry or not? What's the story? So he says, you're asking that about the child dying, so mashma, that's Pasha to you, that if the child was still alive, that certainly he wouldn't be able to marry anyone else. It's not, it's not so true, not so simple. Some say even if the child was alive, he would still be putter from the Shavua because another 10 years, right, she'd give birth. He wouldn't die. 10 years would pass. She didn't have any other children. So she's not getting any closer to Pira So the same 10-year concept, 10 years of not having children, not getting to Pira have elapsed. So he says, it's the Machlechus Rishonim. 
Some say if you're not Makayim Pervative, yes, yeah, so the 10 year thing is the same, the same Muslim. And uh, the Rajma says, I know, once, you know, the whole 10 year concept, if she has one child, then already we're not Kaifel Haitzi or Kaifel to marry someone else. But he's married there that if the child dies and then 10 years pass, then everyone agrees that Kaifel Haitzi uh, or to marry someone else. Yeah, you also have the Chaim de Benegershim. Oysam Shikibdo Aleim Chaim de Benegershim. That uh, he argues is that even those who accept the Chaim de Benegershim, but if you, wait, if you wait 10 years and you don't have a child, or the child died and you wait 10 years, so even Ashkenaz would be allowed to marry a second wife, according to the Radbaz. So Abbas's point is, is that, uh, look, Mekai and Pirivirivya, and they're alive, so certainly he has a shvua, um, even if there's no Chayim Domeinu Gershom. Ah, what about having more children? Isn't there an Indian of having more children? That's only made the Rabbanon. The shvua, Deiraisa, you can use the, she can use the shvua against them that he, he won't have more children. He's just Mekai and Pruravu, and that's it. But Pruravu itself, which is a Mitzvah Deiraisa, so, if she gave birth and, she, and, and they died and 10 years passed, so the Kuli Alma could be allowed to marry another one. If she had one, that's the Machlekes of uh, those who shine him. And he personally is being knighted towards the Yishayim that say that you would be allowed to marry another wife because Saif He says, for this reason, there's a Muka Yasef that says, that uh, if she only had, she had multiple children, kulam scharim, kulam nekevis, even though the mitzvah is, there was no chendav negershim, no shavuah, nothing. If she had multiple children, but they're all scharim, they're all nekevis, and the Mukha Yisuf said that, in kaifu naisi lo haitzi. Dr. Adbaz, if ashtainisht, pruravu, the ten years is to get you to pruravu. You had many children, and then as long as she's having children, you can keep on hoping at the next one, the next one. She has a bunch of children, she stops having children, ten years pass, you see you're not getting to Pruravu, there's no reason to assume she'll have children now. You're in exactly the same place as the one who didn't have any children at all. You both were Mekayim, Pruravu equally. It doesn't matter if you have ten boys in your house. And that's the context in which he says that, uh, a thousand sons or a thousand daughters. Like him, it's a pretty good So he, he leans very much in that direction. That's, not, that's just the context to see. You could see how the Radbaz was applying these pratim and these mitzvah halachas in his time. The, the bottom line is, is that uh, the mainstream, Vanganumina Psak is Zacharnakev. Fine, okay. So that being the case, so it sounds like, what's the idea if we focus on that? That the idea Taka sounds like, oh, the father and mother should uh, replace themselves and themselves alone, just have another male and female. Like we mentioned, there's this other chiyu of having more children. We can discuss that separately. What's the makar? What's the gather? But right here, we're just focusing on the ikar mitzvah of Purivu, which we said is just a zachar and a keva. <coughs> I was actually thinking about the significance, the context, the, the vart of population. Right? In terms of, if you actually think about it as a practical matter, if our goal, our thought is we're concerned about the size of the population, the mitzvah plays a role in that. So let's think a little bit about the world population, Jewish population. Right? So we take it for granted right now that 
every year or the world population grows by a large amount. Uh, just on the way here, I looked it up. You know, uh, where is the world population holding now? I was surprised it was further than I was. Seven seven point nine seven billion is uh, where we're up to now, and uh, they're saying we're going to hit eight billion by November. So we're, we're at the cusp of eight billion. Uh, seven billion was just uh, a couple of years ago. But actually, the truth is that if you look at uh, history long term. Uh, it feels like the world population actually remained pretty much the same for most of uh, recorded history. So if you start from the beginning of Bayashani, so 500 BCE, until the year 1500, so about 2,000 years, uh, there are different estimates, obviously we don't have hard numbers, but the estimates that we have today are that the world population was somewhere between 100 million and 500 million throughout that entire time. So for 2,000 years, we were nowhere near a billion. 1500, the year 1500, you could say, maybe slightly before, and that's when it starts growing steadily. Until either by the 1700s or 1800s, we got to our first billion in, in recorded history, as far as we know. Then it took till 1920 to get to the second billion. 1963 billion, 1975, 4 billion, 1987, 5 billion, 1999, 6 billion, 2012, 7 billion, now we're about to hit 8. So things have accelerated tremendously just in the very last short period of time. Uh, you can say uh, half jokingly that uh, for those who are committed environmentalists, so they would probably view uh, the human species right now as what we call an invasive species, because you know, like the lantern flies, you see them, you're supposed to kill them. It's, they're uh, they're getting out of proportion, right? There's a whole ecosystem, and the humans are one part of it, and uh, now uh, human growth has uh, run away. But that's obviously not what we're talking about. Although obviously we can have a separate discussion as to what Terra thinks about that. But the point is, is that for hundreds or thousands of years, it looks like the human population didn't move too much. And it could be that it was pretty much a given, actually, that the given population, a country, it was pretty much a given that the numbers should remain fairly much in place. Why would that be the case? That would have been due to the conditions of the world. Of the world. There would be famine periodically, there were wars, diseases, child mortality. And of course, there are all kinds of explanations as to what suddenly changed a few hundred years ago, what happened then. And if you want to focus specifically on the Jewish population, also an interesting question. So, uh, it seems that from after the Churban, before the Churban would be a different question, but from after the Churban by Isheni, the, the, the world's Jewish population seems to have been under a million for maybe 1,000, 1,500 years for a very long time. And then in the last few hundred years, that's also that's when the numbers start climbing very, very quickly. And then, of course, to counterbalance that, you have assimilation, you have the Holocaust, etc., etc. And I'm not an expert on all this, so maybe I'm getting something wrong, but that's my impression. So... If one wanted, one could say that Pruravu and the Taira might just mean that uh, the Taira we start off as a small family, a small Shevet, and you know, Pruravu until you become a large Chasheva nation, and then uh, maybe it's expected that at some point uh, the numbers remain fairly static, they grow, they shrink. So, Abazai, if one thinks along these lines, maybe that would fit fairly well with the concept of the Taira saying, just as Zachar and Akeva. The main thing is, is to keep the numbers uh, static. Whatever is beyond that is nice, but that's a different gather. Uh, 
And like we mentioned, the Rambam has a slashin, kiyom hamin, kiyom hamin sounds like sustaining the, the population. And uh, I was actually thinking, once I was thinking along these lines, I was thinking, what about other species? Right? We have some species that we know uh, have hundreds of offspring. There are some, mostly mammals, that are more similar to us in this way, that they have one, uh, you know, one offspring a year. But of course, they keep on repeating the process every year for a number of years. So it seems like the standard in nature is to have more than two. Two is actually a pretty low number, uh, less than natural. And I actually looked it up. You know, what's the lowest? Uh, what's the lowest number of offspring that any species has? And it says any any species that has less than ten is already extremely low. And there's some species of fly that has an average of uh, 4.5. That's the, the the record lowest in nature. However, I'd also point out that talk about the context of nature of the ecosystem is the whole ecosystem. Part of the ecosystem is is that. Nature is accounting for uh, famine, with other, not just with humans, with the animals. There's, there's going to be uh, bad years, won't be what to eat, there are going to be diseases. The animals, of course, eat each other, so they're, they're, there's a whole system where one species feeds the other. So it could be that, broadly speaking, every species has enough offspring to offset all the all the other factors that are eating into its population, and ultimately the long-term goal in nature is just to keep the numbers uh, the same. Again, this is my svar, I'm not, uh, not an expert, I don't know what the official hagdara uh, that's given is. So, Ebazoi, if we're talking about uh, humans also, so Ebazoi, when we say zacher and akeva, do we mean that, oh, a person gets married as a zacher and akeva, okay, you're good to go. Well, historically, what were the chances? A person only had a zakhar, only had a nekev. Historically, what were the chances that uh, they would grow up and uh, live to have uh, children and families? Right, someone pointed out to me that today, with today's conditions, we say that in order for the population to be sustained, you need to have an average of 2.1. If, every, if the average was 2, then the population would shrink. The average has to be 2.1 in order for the population to be sustained here in the West. And the mice said the number right now is below two. Whatever, that's obviously a different discussion. That's, that's, that's speaking for, the, for a group as a whole, for a nation as a whole, based on statistics. So that means that if everyone only had two, the Torah says have two, if you took that to mean everyone should have exactly two, and Vaiter Gefarin, statistically, a certain portion of those people are not going to end up down the line long term with two children who will have two children, etc., etc., until the numbers will start shrinking. The bottom line will be that the numbers are shrinking. I, I don't know if there's a number for what number you would have needed in the, you know, the olden days. What would the number have been then to make sure? I don't know. So, whoever only has two, so, like someone who had less than two, because two doesn't actually, uh, maybe for you it's going to work out, but if everyone has two, then everyone didn't have two, everyone had less than two. So this seems to fit with what you see in these halachas, that uh, if they're not roi l'hoilid, l'moshel, if they're not able to have children on their own, you're not mekayim the mitzvah, the Gemara says, if nimtza sadis lekiyim perevedivya, and achreinim, yishayim achreinim say, because if they can't have their own children, so then they can be mekayim the yishuv, the shavis yitzara, etc., etc., or if, they, or if the children die, Rahman al-Atzlan, Gemara says, Hayyulay banimu meisu, Abyaykhlan amr laiki and pervertivya, the Shavas Yitzara, 
discussions about that. We don't have time to get into all the pratim. Was kommt euch von diesen von diesen Kodes? Lochera kommt euch now, if someone just gets married and has a zarcha nekeva, at the moment that they're born, we still have no clue, we're still far from confident that, oh, it's all over, it's all good, we're good to go. That's not what it sounds like. Saying two sounds like we only want two, but from all the other pratim, Ruim Lohailid, Mesu, sounds like two isn't really good enough. Technically, if a person has two, it sounds like, oh, you can stop being Isaac and Pervative, yeah, and sit back and, and wait to see what happens. Chas v'shalem, statistically, something's going to happen to a certain percentage of people. Oh, then they're going to have to scramble and try to have children again from Abbas Banim. Lapisvar would make more sense that one should probably, just to have two, one should probably have a number of children to start out with, so that way uh, you're more sure to have the outcome that you want at the end. Even if you don't want to have multiple children, just for the goal of having two, you would have to have more than two. So just to conclude, if we wanted to address in the, mean, in the interim the different questions we started off with, so if we said that the Iker Toichena Mitzvah is to replace the population, to sustain, to have a Zohar and a Keva, to replace a Zohar and a Keva, and we would say that that's Takel that's the Iker Chelik of the Mitzvah, and everything else is a Hachana, whatever you want to call it. And when is the Iker Kiyam HaMitzvah, it's Takel not when you have the children. Technically, you're Potter for, for, for now, for the meanwhile, but you wouldn't say that you were Mekayim the Mitzvah now. It sounds like you're Mekayim the Mitzvah erged sometime deep in the future. So that would be how we would address and answer all those questions to feed this line of thinking. Here's where we're going to have to pause. I'll just conclude by saying this is obviously not as poshit as that sounds, and there's a lot more to add, uh, but it's going to have to be next week. I'm hoping Tafka towards the beginning of the week. Uh, I'm just letting you know now. Uh, good job. Can't say something like uh, a Freya kind of thing? Unless that was in, in another instance. Like saying, the whole of the mitzvah is done.